Well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace at all of our campuses and the network churches as well. We're thrilled you're here. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here and truly overjoyed that you have come. I want to give a special shout out to the Ark Church in North Sioux City. The Ark joined us for the very first time last week and will be joining us every single week in the future. It's crazy, but now we have five churches across the region who are joining us weekly for worship. And on behalf of all of us, I just want to say we are honored to be a tiny part of what God is doing in and through you in North Sioux City. Truly honored and grateful. And at all of our campuses, can we put it up and welcome them today? Can we put it up and welcome them? Well, it is completely crazy. This past week, my wife and I, Beck and I, celebrated 14 years of being married, and uh, it's crazy. Uh, looking at the pictures, my wife has not aged at all, and somehow I've aged twice as fast as most human beings do. I'm like, what in the world? Look at these pictures, Lord, for better or worse, though, right? Pray for my, my wife. She definitely got the short end of the stick. But speaking of marriage, one of the unique parts about my job is getting to meet with married couples. And specifically, and oftentimes, I'll meet with couples who are struggling. And so I'll sit down, and sometimes when I meet with a couple, it's something huge that they drop. And they'll tell me about an affair uh, that one of them is involved with, or there's an addiction that one of them's been hiding. And so they'll tell me about how they're struggling marriage-wise, or maybe they've went through a miscarriage, or they've lost a loved one, and it's caused a lot of like, just a lot of stress on their relationship. So sometimes it's big, and then other times I'll get together with a couple, and they'll share completely normal, regular things with me. And it's a bunch of smaller things that just to kind of add it up to a big thing. And I'll never forget it, but about a year ago, I met with a couple, and they just shared that they were at the end of their rope. They were at the end of their marriage. They were starting to talk about divorce, using the D word. And, and so I just asked them what they were struggling with, and I kind of expected like an atomic bomb to be dropped. Like I was just waiting for this huge thing to be, to be shared with me. And, and so I was just waiting, and they just shared, well, uh, we just kind of both express love differently. And I was like, okay, and they're like, and we struggled to communicate with each other. And I was like, okay, and they said, the wife said, sometimes he just kind of flat out annoys me. And I was like, okay, so I asked if there was more, and they said there wasn't more, and all I could think was, this sounds like a perfect marriage. (laughs) Like, this sounds like the greatest marriage of all time. That's the only three things you have. But seriously, I, I told them about my own marriage, and I was like, with love languages, Becky has two of them, uh, you know, quality time and gifts, and I have two as well. Uh, mine is physical touch and more physical touch, and so we're different in that area. Yes, I can say that. This is a safe place, right? And then communication styles, I've heard that men are like waffles or pancakes or something you put syrup on. And women are like spaghetti. And I have no idea what that means. A woman must have put that together because I'm like, ah, waffles and spaghetti. And with annoying, uh, my wife, this is being honest, she actually rarely ever annoys me. I'm rarely ever annoyed by my wife, but I think I annoy her roughly 50 times a day, give or take 50 times a, a day. But after I finished talking about my marriage, I just asked them, I said, do you have anyone in your life that you're being honest with? Like, is there anyone in your life that you're sharing this stuff with? Like, do you have anyone that you just feel like you can be real with? Do you have anyone encouraging you in your relationship with Jesus and in your marriage? Because honestly, I think if you talked with some other couples, you would realize what you're going through is fairly normal things. And so I asked them the question, and they just said, 
No, we don't. We don't really have anyone in our lives. Both of us are private people, and so even our friends and our family never really hear what we're going through. Like, we don't have anyone that we're sharing with. We don't have anyone that's really pouring into our marriage, anyone who's really pouring into our relationship with, with, with Jesus. And sadly, I think there's so many of us across our campuses, singles, dating, married, families, people in general, that are in the same exact place. We don't have anyone. We have no community. Zero community. Well, right now, we are in a series called Made for This, and we're talking about the different things that we are made for as human beings. And so we started off by talking about the truth that we are made for generosity. We're made for generosity. And then the second week, we talked about the fact that we are made for rest. We are made for Sabbath. We are made for taking a breath and renewing ourselves, renewing our relationship with Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the fact that we are made for work. And I just have to say, it's been awesome hearing from our campus pastors. Can we put it up and just thank our campus pastors just for the people they are? Honestly, I am honored uh, to be on the same team with all of them. So grateful for who they are. But for today, for today, we're going to continue on and we're going to talk about the simple fact that we are made for community. We're made for community. Like regardless of who we are, introvert, extrovert, regardless of who we are, we need other people in our lives. Regardless of who we are, our education, our status, our income level, I don't care who you are. Regardless of who you are, regardless of who we are, we need other people in our lives. Studies show that people who have community are happier, have fewer health problems, drastically lower mental health issues, and they live longer. Get this, this is my favorite. One study by Harvard, and I've heard Harvard people are smart, one study by by Harvard showed that people with community, people with community who lived an unhealthy lifestyle, they smoked, they struggled with obesity, they did not exercise, actually lived longer than those who have a healthy lifestyle but don't have community. Translation for the non-Harvard smart people in the room, if you have friends, you don't have to ever exercise again, and you can do anything you want, and you will live forever, okay? But seriously though, as people, and specifically as followers of Jesus, we are made for community. We need, for, we need community. We, it's a must. It's a requirement. We're wired. We need community. We need other people in our lives. We are made for it. Now, when you open up the Bible and you look up different verses on community, there are so many verses that we could talk about today. We could look at Genesis, Adam and Eve, where God tells Adam it's not good for man to be alone. We could look at one of the the wisest people to ever live, a guy named Solomon. We could look at his words in Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, where iron sharpens iron and two people are better than one. And then the New Testament, there's the Apostle Paul, who over and over again talks about the importance of praying for one another and loving one another and forgiving one another and serving one another and confessing to one another. And so when it comes to community and the fact that we are made for community, there are all kinds of places that we could look. But today I want to look at a fairly unlikely place. It's one of my favorite stories 
found in the book of Mark chapter 2. And so across campuses, just want to encourage us to open up our Bibles at this time. Open up your Bible. Honestly, every week I didn't just encourage you to start bringing your Bible with you. Use the Bible on your phone. If you don't have the Bible on your phone, go and download the Bible app right now. It's not ours. It's not Embraces. It's just the best Bible app that I've found, the one that I use. So again, open it up to Mark chapter 2. And just to set the story up for us, Jesus has been healing people and he's been teaching people all over the city, all over the countryside. He's been healing and teaching people on the countryside, and he's just returned to the city of Capernaum. Capernaum during this time is really his home base. And so he comes to the city of Capernaum, and he goes to this house. Some people believe it was Peter's house. Other people are not sure whose house it is, but he goes to this house, and when he gets there, the news about Jesus being there, it spreads quickly. As soon as he gets there, everyone begins to hear that Jesus is at this house. And so they all show up to this house. And there's this large crowd of people at this house. And speaking up, uh, picking up the story in Mark 2, verse 2, here is what we are told. It says, soon the house where he was staying, Jesus was staying, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. Quick pause. How awesome would it be if this was the church? It's like Jesus shows up to town. Jesus shows up in the church. There are so many people who are desperate to come into the presence of Jesus. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to be healed by him. But there's so many people, there's not even room outside the place. How awesome would that be? Unpause. So Jesus is there, the pack, it's packed. And it goes on to say this. While he, Jesus, was preaching God's word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus. Why? Because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, the four guys, their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Crazy scene, right? Just powerful. It's one of my favorites. Again, today we're talking about the fact that we are made for community. And speaking of community, there are so many things that we could talk about community. There's so many things that we could pull from this one story when it comes to community. But for today, I just want to talk about two simple truths from this story when it comes to community. Two simple, basic truths that we all need to hear. And because we are made for community, the first truth is this. We need people to show up. Again, we are made for community. We need, we need community in our lives. And because of this, the first truth, we need people to show up. One step further, we need people to show up, show up in our lives when no one else shows up. Again, we need people to show up when no one else shows up. Just looking at our story, it's crazy. Because there's crowds of people at this house. One translation says a large number of people were there. And yet what struck me all week long is that only four people help the man on the mat. This huge crowd of people, and yet what struck me is only four people noticed the man. Only four people cared about the man, at least enough to actually do something. Only four people showed up for him. And with all the other people, they not only didn't notice him, but they actually blocked his way to come into the presence of Jesus. I just got to ask, have you ever stood in a crowd of people and felt completely overlooked? Ever just been in a sea of people, maybe even people you knew their name, and yet you felt completely unnoticed, more direct and to the point? Have you ever stood in the crowd called life and felt like nobody sees you? It's like, I don't even feel like I'm here. I don't even know if one person cares about me. 
I always say it, I never cease to be amazed by how many Facebook friends we can have and yet we don't have one friend that we can call when we're broken. I never cease to be amazed. We can know so many people and I got family all over the area and my dad, they know his dad and relatives and I worked with them, but we don't have one person that we can call when we're hurting. We don't have one person that we can call when we're tempted. We don't have one person that we can call when we're grieving, when we're empty, when we're lost. We don't have one person that we can call. And even in the church, often we'll stand in rooms full of people And yet we don't have one person that we can be honest and real with. All these people who love Jesus and yet we don't have one person that we can just say that we're struggling. In this day and age, we are so connected and yet we don't have one person who will show up and we need one person to show up. We're so connected yet we don't have one person who will show up when no one else will. And again, if if you haven't heard, if I haven't said this, We are made for this. We're made for community. And I just got to say that when we have true community, when we have people who will show up in our lives, people who will answer the phone, it's crazy, it's a crazy concept. When the phone rings, they'll answer the phone and just listen to us. People who will come over when they said they're coming over. People who will help you out when you need someone else to help you out. People who are just there. You don't need to impress them. You don't need to put on a show. You don't need to cater to every, all their needs. They're, they're, they're just there. There are few greater blessings in our lives than when we have this. There are few greater blessings than when we find true community. Now, as some of you might know, back in February, many of us lost a dear friend and a staff person here at Embrace to lung cancer. Uh, Shannon Peck's her name. One of the nicest people that you'll ever could possibly meet. Well, a couple of weeks back, her da- husband Dave and I grabbed lunch. And I just asked Dave how he was doing, and so he, he shared. And, and then Dave brought it up. He began to talk about the church. And he just began to say, he said, Adam, he, didn't, he just didn't know what he would have done this past year without his men's group. It, this past year has been brutal, but I don't know what I would have done without the Sertoma campus. Adam, I don't know what I would have done without this church as a whole. And the, the strongest part, it was just powerful when he said, he said, Adam, honestly, a few years back, we were thinking about leaving Embrace. There were some things that we didn't like, some things that rubbed us the wrong way, and so I was ready to leave myself. And yet it was Shannon that just kept saying, I really think we need to stay. I really think we need to stay. And he said, seriously, though, whether it's filling a basic need, praying for him, showering the kids with, with people's presence or just giving them something or filling a need. He just said, I can't imagine if we would have left because we have felt so loved and supported and I only hope that other people who are going through a similar trial would feel a fraction of what we felt. People have just been so willing to show up. Switching back to us, I just got to ask, do we have anyone in our life who will show up? Just an honest question between me and you, do you, Do you have anyone in your life who will show up? And specifically, what are their names? When we're hurting, when we're broken, when we need someone to show up in our lives, do we have anyone who will show up? Or on the flip side, when we need someone to celebrate with us, when we need someone just to take delight in something with us, do we have anyone who will show up? Are there people in our lives who will show up when no one else will show up? Again, do we have people who will show up? 
And so that's the first truth from the story. And then secondly, when it comes to community, get this. We need people who will drag us to Jesus. Again, we, we, we need community and we need other people in our lives and having friends that are fun, friends that we connect with is great, but specifically, we need other people in our lives who will do anything necessary to get us to Jesus. People who will see us hurting and they'll carry us to Jesus. People will see us walking away from the Lord and they'll drag us back to Jesus. People will see us sporadic and going to church and reading our Bibles and, and spreading joy and kindness and they'll just drag us right back to Jesus, going back to our story. Again, these four guys are trying to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. Maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a random stranger, and they get him to the house, and they run into this crowd, and so what do they do? They just leave him there. Unlike the crowd, I mean, they've already drug him so far, and now Jesus is there, and so they just leave him, leave him there. No, they don't do that. They get him to the house, and they see this crowd, and so what do they do? They bring him up on the roof. Take this in for a second. They bring him up on the roof of the house and they tear a hole in the roof and they lower their friend right down in the presence of Jesus. I mean, basically, these four guys are willing to do absolutely anything necessary. I just kept hearing that all week. Anything necessary, anything necessary, anything necessary. What will they do? Anything necessary to get their friend to Jesus. Going back to us, I just want to ask, do we have this in our lives? We have people in our lives who will do anything necessary to get us to Jesus. More than college buddies, more than football, fantasy football friends, more than girls that we shop with, do we have anyone in our lives who will do anything necessary to get us to the feet of Jesus? They'll just start dragging us. They'll speak truth into us. They'll pray over us. They'll tell us in the hard times and the trials to keep going, that God loves them, that God is with them, that God is for them, not against them, that God is still there. People will just call. People will ask the hard questions. More than just work, people will ask about their relationship with Jesus. Again, do we have anyone in our lives who's willing to do anything necessary to get us to Jesus? Anything necessary. In my own life, I'm so thankful to say that I have a group of people here at the church who do this consistently for me. People who will randomly call this week. Somebody called just to pray over me. People who tell me to keep going, that God is at work, that God is faithful, that he's moving. People who text me literally at all hours of the day, sometimes in the middle of the night, just a Bible verse, just to encourage me. People who challenge me, they'll speak truth into me. People who time and time again just keep pointing me, Adam, Jesus, 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 Jesus. One more time, I'm not sure if we've heard, but we are made We're wired. It's required in our DNA. We need other people in our lives, people who will drag us, do anything necessary to get us to Jesus. Okay, so this is great, right? We need people who show up when no one else will show up, and we need people who will drag us to Jesus. But maybe you're just wondering, well, Adam, how do I get this? Because I want this in my life, and I've tried to find this in my life, and it's never worked. Like, where do I find this? I mean, according to Facebook, everyone else has these deep community. Everyone else has BFFs. Everyone else is hanging out, sharing their deep, dark secrets with each other and playing kumbaya. Everyone else has it, but I don't. I don't have anyone in my life. So, so how, do, how, do we, how do we do this? How do we find this? How do we get this? Well, hear this. We first need to become what we want. How do we get this? We need to become what we want. 
If we want true, deep community, we need to become true, deep community to others. We need to live it out ourselves. And how do we do this? It's maybe rocket science. It's not. We do this by showing up when no one else shows up. We first need to become what we want. How do we do that? We need to show up when no one else shows up. We need to show up for others when no one else shows up. It's not a guarantee that others will do the same for us. That's not even the reason that we do it. But so often it's like we want from others and we complain about others and we mumble about others. We want from others what we're not willing, what we're totally unwilling to do ourselves. We see this point fingers and we're always the victim and no one else shows up and everybody else flakes out. But we don't do the same. We do the same exact thing ourselves. I mean, do we want others to show up? Start showing up. Be one of the four guys in the crowd who sees a friend, a family member, a coworker, and, and just begins to carry them. When your friend is calling, this is crazy. Answer the phone and just listen. Answer the phone, just listen. Make time for the people who matter. Stop flaking out. Show up at birthday parties. Show up at hangout nights and just be there. When, when they need someone to watch their kids, get off your butt and go watch their kids. When, when they need someone to help them move, get off your butt, change your schedule, and help them move. They're your friends, they're your family. Get up and do something. Again, we need to show up when no one else shows up. And I just got to ask, are we doing this for anyone? And if so, just to get specific, who are they in your life? Who are the people that you show up for? Who are those people that text you, they message you, and you're there? No questions, I'm there. It's three o'clock in the morning, I'm calling you back. Like, we're just there time and time again. I mentioned the Peck family earlier, and all the people who have cared for them, and I just want to say, and I told Dave I was going to mention this part, I just want to say that Dave and Shannon are people who have and continuously and consistently show up. From day one, when they ended up at Embrace, I think they got their hands dirty day one. They just started serving. It's like, this is our church home. We're going to do that. Dave still does. Shannon would regularly and often go out of her way just to encourage my wife back. Send her text messages, reaching out and grabbing coffee. If you needed someone, if you needed to rely on someone, if you needed to trust someone, you could always count on the pecs. And as a result, it does not surprise me at all that there is now an army of people who had a simple Facebook post are willing to drop everything to come and help them. It doesn't surprise me one bit because they've been living it out for years. That's who they are. Again, we need to become what we want. We need to show up when no one else shows up. And also hear this, we need to drag others to Jesus. We need to do absolutely anything necessary for our friends, our family, our coworkers to get them to Jesus. Showing people Jesus through our actions. Living a life that is so different. We're quick to encourage instead of gossip. Quick to forgive instead of wanting revenge. Quick to show grace and kindness in a way that people can't help but see the Jesus inside of us. But one step further, using our words to invite others to church and invite others to church and invite others to church. Using our words to tell others about how God is at work in our lives. Using our words to share our God story with anyone who will listen to their God story. I mean, as followers of Jesus, more than being a good friend or a family member, which we should be the best at, is Jesus an active part of our relationships? Do we ever talk about him with the people that matter to us the most? This world is hurting so much. I'm not sure if you've seen it just hurting. 
This past week, I received some of the heaviest prayer requests I think I ever have in 12 years. Tragic deaths and loss. Horrible diagnoses. Marriage struggling, addictions, everything you can possibly think of, it's just come in. And it's crazy, but God wants to use us to drag others to Jesus. It's like you're hurting, let me drag you to the one that's able to heal you. You're addicted, let me tell you about the one who's able to free you. Your marriage is struggling, let me, let me tell you about the one who's able to bring dead things. Your marriage is dead, he, can, he specializes in bringing dead things back to life. You don't know Jesus, well he wants to find you. You've walked away, man, it's, no, it's never too late to come back. Just dragging people to Jesus. One more time, we're, we're made for community, created for it. We need others to show up when no one else shows up, and we need others to drag us to Jesus. And we find this, how? By becoming first what we want. We first become what we want. Now, there are so many different ways and places that we can find community, but here at Embrace, the main way we do this is groups. And groups have been a part of this church before we even had a worship service. We literally had two small groups in our church before we ever had a time to come together and, and worship. And this fall, we are pressing into groups stronger than any time in our history, hoping that all of us at all of our campuses would at least consider checking out a group. Our hope is that we just at least consider doing it. And this fall, the main way that we're doing groups is we're, we're having two large groups at every campus. So every campus will have these two large groups with small groups. It takes a pretty big step of faith to sign up and show up, some, like, show up at someone's like, random house, right? It's like a big step of faith to do that. When you do that, I always feel like this is how people are murdered and their bodies are never found. It's like, I need to text my mom first to let her know. It's at this random person's house that's going to talk about Jesus, you know? And so it's a set of small groups. We're still doing small groups, but our main push this fall is large groups. And with large groups, it's about as simple and as unawkward as it gets. And it's, it's at all of our campuses. It's held at the campuses themselves. Campus pastors, other staff, staff people are leading the groups. Child care is provided. We're trying to make it as simple as we possibly can. And as I've been saying, this fall we're focusing on two groups. And the first group I want to tell you about is a group called Alpha. And so check out this video to find out more about Alpha. Life moves fast, doesn't it? Every day there is so much to fit in. But do you ever stop and think? What's the point of it all? Do you ever ask yourself, is there more to life than this? Alpha is a series of sessions exploring life, faith, and meaning. It's a space to explore the big questions, to say what you think, and hear other people's points of view. First up, there's food, then a talk, followed by a discussion. Each talk explores a different aspect of the Christian faith, and then in the small group, you get to say exactly what you think. the talk is to spark conversation, each week unpacking a different question. There's no obligation to say anything, and there's nothing you can't say. Seriously. It's an opportunity to hear from others and contribute your own perspective in an honest, friendly and open environment. Why not try it out? Awesome, right? Everything sounds better with a British accent. <laughs> But Becky and I's small group this last spring went through Alpha, 
it is, I don't say this lightly, it's the single greatest small group discussion I've ever been a part of. Most weeks we were having to like nonchalantly push people out of our house because an hour after group, people were still there. If you've been following Jesus for 20 years, I promise you it will challenge you. If you're not even a Christian, it's actually geared for non-believers. It's amazing. I have drank the Alpha Kool-Aid as much as I possibly can. So that is the first thing that we're encouraging people. The same time uh, is, is something called Five Dates. And Mike Foster and his wife, Mike actually shared at Embrace probably a year or so ago. And so here's more information about Five Dates. Hey guys, I'm Mike. And I'm Jennifer. And we're the Fosters, and we have a confession to make. Our biggest fight ever happened at a marriage retreat. Seriously, 22 years of marriage, 27 years of being together, our biggest fight happened at a marriage retreat. And the reason why I think that happened is because sometimes marriage retreats and relational development tools can set you up to lose versus set you up to win. And that's why we created Five Dates, a simple fun, and easy experience to help you not work on your problems, but work on your togetherness. So on the five dates experience, you'll go out with your significant other, your main squeeze, and go on five dates and talk about five key topics that will create greater closeness and intimacy in your relationship. Date one is about presence and practicing presence. Date two is about learning each other's talking style. Date three, you cover gratitude and being more thankful. Date four, you'd go on this story safari and learn about each other's backstory. And number five, the last date is about dreams, knowing each other's dreams and establishing a dream for you as a couple. So my favorite date was date five, hopes and dreams. So often couples forget to talk about their hopes and dreams for their lives. So this is a perfect opportunity to do that. So whether you're dating, engaged, or been married for a while, I really believe this workbook will help renew and create in your relationship a new togetherness and connection and help you guys thrive. For more information, visit 5dates.co. And so that is 5 Dates, as Mike shared. Whether you're dating, engaged, married, have a great marriage, have a struggling marriage, you want to check that out. That's the group that Becky and I are going to be a part of ourselves. We're excited about about that. So those are the two groups that we're going to be pushing and encouraging people to check out this fall. I just want to say this, two last things. First off, if you are not in a group, and specifically if Embrace is your home, you need to get into a group. You need to get into a group. We need community. We're made for it. You need to check out a small group. Give it at least one week. If you want community, this is a great first step. If you want to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus as followers of Christ, that's individually on us. At some point, we need to start caring for and feeding ourselves instead of looking to somebody else and even the church to do that for us. But in light of that, though, this is the perfect opportunity. If you want to wrestle with some things, to dig into why did Jesus die? What is the Bible? How do you read it? How do you pray? Who's the Holy Spirit? Check out the Alpha Group. If your marriage is struggling or it's wonderful, go to the five dates. But again, I just want to encourage every single one of us to check out a group this fall. The other thing, when it comes to dragging people for Jesus to Jesus, you can drag them for Jesus as well. But when it comes to dragging people to Jesus, this, these large groups are a perfect opportunity. If you have a friend that's struggling, has doubts about God, doesn't want to go to church, doesn't even believe in Jesus, man, that alpha group's perfect. Maybe you, you, you text your, your siblings who are all married and say, hey, let's do the five dates together. Let's invite our entire office place. Let's all go together. We talk a lot about embrace, about reaching the next person for Jesus. 
groups and getting people into groups so that God can change them from the inside out is a huge part of reaching someone for Jesus. So I pray that we would do that. One last time, we were made for community. Made for community. We need it. We're created for it. We're wired to need other people in our lives. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we come before you thankful. Thankful for the countless people. I'm guessing if we look back at our past, the countless people who have dragged us to Jesus. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend or a coworker, maybe it was a, a college roommate who told us about the Lord and that's why we're here today. But we don't just need that until we meet you, God. We need that every day for the rest of our lives. We need others in our lives. We need people to show up. We need people to drag us to Jesus, but we need to become what we want, God. I pray that we wouldn't play the role as the, as the victim here. In this area, instead of complaining, we don't have friends, we don't have this or that, we just start becoming that to other people. We just start showing up. We just start dragging others. Lord, again, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen.